Joey's like a Pavlov's dog when he starts to salivate. A hardened man himself is hard to shake his rattlesnake. Welcome one and all to Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited. My name is Corey Morissette. Joined as always. Oh, it's not porno music, but it's pretty close in summer. Kevin Brown is cursing my name, but you know him. You love him. Or you like him anyway, at the very least. He is the sexiest man in podcasting scott haskin how you doing scott i'm doing great Corey. i thought uh i thought that might be a reggae version of julian lennon's much too late for goodbyes is there a reggae version of much too late for goodbyes that would be interesting there, there needs to be after hearing that well i tell you 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 got some instruments kicking around that apartment in las vegas get to work my friend I may just have to do that. Uh, that's a great quote, by the way. I don't know what's better. I, I don't know if it's better that Aerosmith wrote those lyrics or that you picked them to open our episode with. <laughs> well, I got to tell you what, uh, a little peek behind the curtain, if you will. Uh, a lot of times I will just click on an album uh, before we start recording. Like, oh, we haven't done anything from Done With Mirror. So I did that. And like, oh, the hop. We haven't done the hop yet. Let's see if I can find a lyric from the hop. And that is in the first verse. I thought, perfect. Roll with it. So the, the, every week I just do that, and I'm going to pick a random album, pick a random song, and give you a classic Steven Tyler lyric, because odds are there's one in there. <laughs> well, I think that's a fair statement, and uh, I think that's the universe just giving you the right thing to talk about. Uh, before we get into Aerosmith, you know what, though, Corey? Something dawned on me when I was pouring my coffee before we started recording, and I want to run this by you because you're a film guy. All right. Uh, I was thinking about... You know, it's it's really chilly all of a sudden here today, which I'm not complaining compared to what you have to deal with. But for us, for acclimated to 118 degrees, it's really chilly. And uh, I started I was going to make a joke about living on Hoth. And I started thinking about it. And I remembered that when Han was going to go after Luke, he wanted to take one of the snow speeders, but they hadn't been adapted for the cold. Correct. It's a snow speeder. What was it not adapted for? It wasn't it's originally, cold. was not originally a snowspeeder. Uh, ah. Used in more uh, forest climates, if I remember correctly. In, in the expanded universe, I believe they explained that. It's, it's, they, they called it a snowspeeder uh, when they were marketing the toys and such. But mm-hmm. uh, if you get super nerdy into the, uh, Mark Kamire would probably know. I'll ask him when I record with him tomorrow night. But I'm pretty sure uh, it, it was a, you know, a different kind of speeder that they had to acclimate to the cold. Uh, of Hoth. And if you've lived in Canada at minus 40 degree temperature, you know, vehicles don't want to run. So I That's totally right. get that was the most relatable part of the Empire Strikes Back for me. <laughs> that and other than a real asshole is my dad. Those are the two things I could relate to. No, I'm kidding. I love my dad. He's great. Well, you know, the interesting thing is obviously they had been there for a while on that base because that I mean, they had the whole mountain carved out and everything, right? You know who didn't have to adapt anything for cold? The Empire, who was not living in a frozen tundra. They, they already had those big walkers that were just ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Did they just build those in case someday they had to attack a frozen planet? Well, again, I think you use those in, in forest climates as well or hills mm-hmm. or, or what have you. So they just apparently acclimated to the cold a little better. Or they have better engineers in the Empire, which I can see. They have a bigger budget, right? That's so. true. Kind of an endless budget. If you could just lose an entire Death Star and go, well, we'll just build another one. Exactly. Like, no big whoop. Yeah. That's got to be costly. <laughs> yeah. Emperor's like, I, these are, I got, I got Death Stars coming out the ass, man. It's no problem. 
these are the thoughts I have when I go make coffee. Well, hey, I do more of it because I like talking Star Wars. So nice. Yeah, bring it up more often. Great series. That's right. All right. Speaking of uh, of great, uh, you started doing something great on our Twitter account that I'm a big, big fan of. That you started posting polls. I'm a big fan of polls. Uh, It's a great way to get listeners engaged in the show and kind of playing along with us. You started posting polls on some of the uh, songs we've been doing and yeah. uh, asking if the audience agreed if it should go on the mixtape. And in true uh, Corey fashion, I've completely forgot about it until now. So we're, we're behind a few weeks as we record this. So Scott, why don't you catch us up on the Twitter polls, please? Well, first, I need to apologize because it's one thing for you to forget about it because you're not interactive with it. I post the fucking things and I forgot about it the last couple shows. So uh, I take responsibility for that. On a side note, I just find it interesting. You know, I I have given up my Twitter account. I gave it up earlier this year Mm -hmm. and I'm much happier, but I, I do run the Aerosmith page. And, uh, and I lo- always love seeing who's trending in any given random moment. And I find it interesting that Peter Chris is trending. Just randomly Peter Chris and well, George Harrison. Well, Peter, this is the, as we record this, we're recording this on November 28th. We're just, what, five days away from Kiss's yeah. final show. It's going to be happening this Saturday. Uh, my, my wife was like, you got to get that on pay-per-view? I'm like, I just saw it two weeks ago in Saskatoon. <laughs> it's the exact same show. So I don't think I need to spend 40 bucks to see it on pay-per-view, but I had a lot of fun. It was a great show and full credit to, to Gene and Paul. Like when I get to be that age to, you know, bust around the stage for two and a half hours in full makeup and all that regalia and the cod pieces and the boots and everything, that looks exhausting. I just got tired watching them. And we can't remember that we posted a Twitter post. I know. Jesus. <laughs> but like you yeah. said, it was your fault, so. It was my fault. So we have to go back a couple of episodes. Uh, I think the last Twitter poll that, that you read was back in the saddle. So we need to go for uh, We All Fall Down. Right. Which had, uh, you know, it had some interesting uh, responses. So uh, for the option I had was either add this one or pretend it never existed. <laughs> and only 16.7% of voters wanted to add it. And oh. 83.3% uh want to pretend that that part of history never happened what is wrong with the 16 percent? did they click by accident <laughs> i don't know it, it, you it know it's it's, it's 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 not that it's one fine it, it's fine it's i if you're a really big ballad guy and you love like diane ward i don't want to miss a thing you probably really like it. we all fall down yeah i mean I, I i think the song was a miss for me but that's the thing is taste is subjective right yep. Um, so Kevin Brown, our, our good buddy and your co-host on the uh, Ultimate Catalog Clash, said, "Damn, the poll closed before I voted. Can't <laughs> wait to never listen to this streaming pile of genetic crap ever again. Uh, truly dreadful. Take everything cool about Aerosmith and completely ignore it. Nowhere near the mixtape. Yeah, he's he's not wrong, but Kevin's really got to come out of his shell and, and stop mincing words. I tell you. <laughs> yeah, really. Just get just tell us what you feel, man. Yeah." Uh, Tom Dust, who uh, sent us a, a wonderful picture of a singer that looks like a very young Steven Tyler uh, under a red light, just says, tell him no. <laughs> and Rob Mars says, I can find something redeeming in almost every Aerosmith song. This one does not belong on the tape, in my opinion. Production is great, but missed mm-hmm. opportunity for the band to have another memorable ballad. Yep. Good call. Yeah. Production is really good on that one. So. Yeah. And that's the thing. It it doesn't, it can kill a song, but production cannot save a song. I no. don't think. No, I don't think so either. Yep. Yeah. 
it doesn't matter how good how good it sounds if it's shit you just made shit really audible yeah and i didn't think this was shit it was just generic and like kevin said it kind of stripped away everything cool about aerosmith there wasn't any cool guitar solos or leads or riffs or even there was no cool bass line joey sounded like he was sleepwalking steven sounded like he was sleepwalking like not a ton there and for me to go through an entire aerosmith song and go not go i love the bass (laughs) that right there is so telltale i know right but moving on to episode number 89 we're talking about the song make it our bowl was a little more balanced. Uh, Make It Makes It is 28.6%. See a Sucka was 71.4. Really? I, I thought I thought that would have been closer. Uh, I, I was kind of, because I was wavering a little bit. Like, I, I really dig Make It. Uh, from, you I, know, yeah. if, if we're picking a track from that album, though, there's better ones. Uh, I think was my, my rationale behind it. But, you know, the fact that it wasn't like, you know, 40, 60 in favor kind of surprises me. I expected it to be a little closer to that 50-50, to be honest. I, I didn't hate it, but uh, it wasn't a favorite song of mine. We did hit a couple episodes of tougher songs, and I, I wonder if there's a factor of, you know, last week's show was a tough song. Let's hope we redeem it this week and it doesn't happen. There's that mental, uh, now it's two weeks in a row, and they, they tend to hate the song a little more. I don't know. But uh, Kevin Brown, uh, I'm guessing he made it in time to vote this time. And he said, uh, I've always liked Make It. It has the charm of a group of young songwriters. It's just nowhere near the quality of what you have on the mixtape already. Fair and enough. I think, if I remember right, I think that's what one of us said, that uh, you know, we, we've got a pretty pretty uh, high bar to hold up to. Yeah. So, uh, you know, not to say that there aren't other songs that'll be on there, but it's it's a challenge. And uh, our buddy Tom Dust says, it's a great song with one of the most fitting opening lines of any debut, but with precious little space on the mixtape, I'd vote no. So I have to wonder if we hit this song earlier on, would it have made it? It might have had a better chance. I, I think so. I think it would have had a shelf life on there for, for a little bit at least. But yeah, And you... that becomes the real challenge is, is not whether a song would have made it, it's when we hit the song versus what's what we've already hit so a song like if if we were in the first weeks of the show that would have been like yeah we're putting that on the tape because there's still room on the tape versus now where we're like all right we got a we got a pretty solid tape going here yeah yeah always the challenge and then our third our uh, most recent aired show fever we had a little a little bit different of a poll here you better add it was 77.8 percent and drop it before it breeds was 22.2 wow i'm, I'm shocked yeah. still a little bit of hate there but you know it's such a, a cool tune love. and to me it was 100 percent needs to be on there at least for now anyway right uh of course kevin who's never shy of a word and i wish i could read it in his accent says yep always been one of my favorites uh favorite late era drop cuts though i like shut up and dance this is uh, a more interesting song all around i would say I think adding it was the correct decision. Great episode as always, and I like the rambling at the beginning. I don't remember what we rambled about, but... I I think I actually cut some rambling, so there's probably a director's cut of that episode floating out there. Because remember, we went political on one episode where I just started bitching about the Canadian government. I cut all that out uh, of the broadcast version, so if you want to hear my inane ramblings on Justin Trudeau, there is a version of that episode out there. (laughs) That was an interesting conversation. I think you were you were coming off of your uh, your fire on the uh, Genesis episode of the uh, the drunk driver song. Yeah, I think so. And I, I was bitching about the fact that Canada 
taxes you for heat in your home in winter. Yes. Idiotic. And, and, and just a little behind the, the scenes, this was right before Corey said, I'm not going to get political That's on the right. show. Launched the <laughs> show and immediately went political. Not immediately. It was a good two minutes, you son of a bitch. Well, I, yeah, I was, we were ramping up for it. Yeah. Uh, our buddy Michael Green said, the song is so damn good. Fave album is Get a Grip. This is a reason why. Everything is working together. FK Garth Brooks. <laughs> it's funny too because kevin brown messaged me after he's like i just listened to the garth brooks version i'm like no no why i, I think we specifically say in the show don't do that yeah. and, and he did and he, he's all the the dumber for it now he just oh it was awful like i know i didn't tell you to listen to it you bum thank god he's a good podcast host <laughs> well that's debatable yeah I'm just it's, kidding. it's interesting to see you know as i said music is such a subjective thing there's so many things that go into it there's nostalgia there's connection to memories there's the time that you heard it what was going on in your life whether you were having a good or bad day so many factors decide whether you're going to like a piece of music or not and it's all valid it's all valid yeah. you know, if kevin said i, I hate fever because i got a fever once and it sucked uh you're like hey that, that that's you uh i don't relate i love the fuck out of that song it's one of my favorite aerosmith tunes if it happens to be the one van halen song on the album that's all synthesizer and that happens to be the best one sometimes <laughs> that happens uh, there you go i i did love so we we did a uh <laughs> so i wonder if you're gonna bring this up episode of, of and the podcast will rock and uh, i was in the chat and boy just even being in the chat i get a lot of shit for <laughs> for that choice that i made but uh, I stand behind it. I think it's 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 an underdeveloped piece of music. I think they could have really turned that into quite a song. I tell you, Scott Haskin picked Sunday Afternoon in the Park as the best track from Fair Warning. Uh, so on the Van Halen show, because Mark couldn't make it because it was American Thanksgiving and he forgot his family was coming down. Uh, we thought, we're, we're going to let the, the patrons take over the show. I wasn't even on the show. Patrons took it over. I recreated the old wheel so they had every single Van Halen song to spin from. And what did they spin? Sunday Afternoon in the Park. And I and I joked about it. I, I wrote that in the chat that that's the one I wanted to hear. And yep, you called your shot. Not only did I beat the odds of having my song picked, but I beat the odds against every single song being on the wheel. That's right. That's 131 songs, if I remember correctly, on the wheel yeah. at that time. So those are ridiculous odds. Yeah, like you so should have went, went right to the casino. Ticket. Oh no, go right to the casino. Put oh, no, I I want I want millions. You know, you're not going to get millions at a casino. Well, you must you must have like half a million in your account. Just take it all out and put it all on black. Let it ride. <laughs> well, you know, we don't have lottery here in, oh, really? uh, in Nevada. Oh, yeah, we don't um, because of the that would take money away from the casino. So we don't I have guess. it. They're actually voting on it in another two years. <laughs> They're going to vote on it and decide. Um, but we have to drive to California or Arizona to get a lottery ticket. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, it's about a half hour to the California border. Not too bad. Okay. Uh, was there any more on Fever? Nope, that was it. That was it. All right, well, thank you, everybody, for uh, interacting with our Twitter polls. Uh, next week, uh, we'll bring you the Twitter poll for Fallen Angels. That show is uh, dropping uh, as we record this on a Tuesday night. It's dropping tomorrow. So I'm very curious to see. I know uh, Kevin Brown, I think, is a fan of Fallen Angels, and he actually has done a, uh, a little uh, fan edit of that song because that song just goes on forever and ever and ever. It's the Irishman of songs, I think I refer to it as. So yes. if, if Kevin cut it down to three minutes, it's going to be a really solid, uh, really solid too. I'll, I'll give you a little spoiler. He sent me the link and I, I checked it out and absolutely he ended it exactly where I said the song should have ended <laughs> before and the episode hasn't aired yet. So he, the funny thing is he just picked this to randomly do, not knowing that we had recorded that episode because it doesn't air until tomorrow. 
And he sent it to me, and I said, well, just wait until next week. Yeah, he's like, oh, when you guys do Fallen Angels, I, I did a, a, a new edit of it. And we're like, well, guess what? We just did Fallen Angels. It comes out next week. And he and he ended it exactly where I said it should have ended. So there's, I think there's just a common producer mentality among people. And we as musicians have all, because Kevin's a musician, yeah. and we've kind of all grown to learn those hard decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Kevin's a pretty yeah. bright guy, even though I, I give him is. some grief. But fuck, Kevin, what's on our wheel, Corey? <laughs> All or, right. Or, uh, dice. That's right. We got dice. We got six songs on it. Currently on the dice, we have Lay It Down from the Oh Yeah Compilations album, Pandora's Box from Get Your Wings, Angel from Permanent Vacation, Last Child from Rocks, Loving an Elevator from Pump, and Chiquita from Night in the Rut. Scott Haskin, what are you hoping to hear? Man, I... I saw a banana meme earlier today, so I'm going to go with Chiquita. All right, fair enough. Uh, I'm, I'm, I put Lay It Down on last week. I'm kind of hoping to hear that one. Okay. Uh, um, I, I kind of remember the, the melody of the chorus, and that's about it. Uh, it. It comes from one of Aerosmith's many, many compilation records. I believe they have 74 uh, compilation records, greatest <laughs> hits, if you will. Uh, so I, I don't know. I'm kind of hoping to hear that one. What do you say we throw it over to Stephen Tyler and find out what we get? Let's do it. Toss of the And I called my shot, ladies and gentlemen. We are getting Lay It Down from Oh Yeah, uh, Ultimate Aerosmith Hits or whatever the fuck they call it. So many, so many compilations. And uh, you get some bands like Metallica who have never put out a Greatest Hits record. Hate them. We're not doing That's it. Right. Yeah, it, it's a cheap cash grab. We're never doing it. Aerosmith is like, fuck that noise. We want as many dollars as we can get. Let's put out 14 of the damn things. Well, you know, it, they balance each other out very, very well. I think there's there's one thing to be said for a like like towards the end of your run, if you know that you're maybe doing your last album or something, having a you know a history of the band and picking you know a couple songs from each album or something um, to give people a taste of where you've been to see where they might want to pick pick up. Like if you're if you're not a Metallica fan and you you know you're presented with this album of like kind of like a mixtape of here's what here's the songs that we would select and then you could say okay I like this era but I don't like this era then you know what albums to get and and start there so I don't think that's a bad idea but I do think it's absolutely ridiculous to have this many best of albums I mean seriously a quick count on Wikipedia has them with I think seventeen uh, greatest hits records uh, wow. So this week, here, let me just, we have uh, Aerosmith's Greatest Hits, Anthology, Gems, Pandora's Box, Pandora's Toys, Big Ones, Box of Fire, which was a, a box set, the Aerosmith uh, three-pack, Classic Aerosmith, the Universal Masters Collection, Young Lust, the Aerosmith Anthology, uh, Oh Yeah, Ultimate uh, Aerosmith Hits would be number 11, released July 2nd, 2002. And then there was another one, two, three, four, five, six after that, so... Including so greatest 17? hits, which yeah, seventeen uh, total. Now some of these, like the Aerosmith three pack, is just the packaging of Aerosmith get your wings and toys. I don't know if you really count that. Box of Fire oh. was a box set. Pandora's Box was a box set. Even though they are kind of compilations, they they, they kind of count. So seventeen mm -hmm. uh, compilations for Aerosmith, including uh, greatest hits, uh, which came out this past August, if you remember. I remember that. I wonder how it's selling because I, I remember we had quite a conversation about whether that was going to be a successful thing for them or not. Well, let's see. In the U.S., it debuted at number 36 on the Billboard Top 200, 
which Too isn't bad. well yeah when you what 20 30,000 copies maybe to hit the top 40 nowadays like yeah when you know top five is only like 50,000 yeah the bar is low these days yeah but it was the it did peak at number one on the u.s top hard rock albums and number four on the u.s top rock albums interesting so not terrible it's, it's fascinating to me i mean i i'm still baffled by that because it just seems like god you've got so many out i i don't get it i mean i i do get the attraction of the the specific vinyl because i think they did the splatter vinyl for that but yeah i think so yeah yeah apart from that i just i don't understand it uh but this uh compilation we're talking about here tonight uh oh yeah ultimate aerosmith hits released in 2002 uh, a double disc album it includes 27 of the band's biggest hits in chronological order and spans the year, the uh, entire career up to 2002 although it admits any material from the three albums they recorded between 79 and 85 okay so take that this sounds like rock in a hard place you know, night in the ruts the, that kind of thing no no tracks <laughs> right. from those so was this released as a single i i'm going to have to check here i don't know if it was uh, there was uh, two new songs on this compilation, Lay It Down, which we're covering tonight, and a song called Girls of Summer, which was uh, a single. Uh, oh. Lay It Down was not. Uh, Girls of Summer was the only uh, single off this record. So uh, if uh, this one is a good one, it's going to have to go uh, on the deep cut side of the mixtape. All right. Well, we shall see. Uh, Lay It Down, written by Stephen Tyler, Joe Perry, Donald DeGreat. And uh, Marty Fredrickson, Donald DeGreat is somebody I don't really know. Uh, he's better known by his stage name, Devontae Swing. American record producer, singer, songwriter, and rapper. Do you know Devontae Swing? Uh, I know both of those names equally, which is not at all. Oh, okay. Uh, That's a cool name. I'll, yeah. I'll give him that. Uh, he created a group called Swing Mob, which consisted of various artists he discovered and mentored, such as Missy Elliott, who I've heard of, Timbaland, yeah. Magoo, Genuine, Static Major with Playa, Daryl Pearson, Tweet, Jimmy Douglas, Stevie J, and Chad DeSeuss Elliott. So that's who you'd want working on an Aerosmith record. I will never tire of hearing Corey Morissette say the word <laughs> Playa. <laughs> I, I should work. I, I'm going to have to work out a Steve Harvey impression. So like, hey, how's it going, Playa? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, it's it, you know it's interesting to bring in people that are completely out of the norm to maybe inspire something or maybe bring out a different dynamic for a project. I wouldn't I wouldn't have necessarily thought Aerosmith and rap, even though the Run DMC thing happened. Um, I I could see maybe a little R and B, like having an R and B producer come in and see if they can spark something, but. Uh, uh, you know, depending on the type of rap, I guess, because there's kind of that, it's like country and pop. Don't they have that same division between rap and R&B at points? It, it sure seems like it, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm curious to hear the song. Me too. Lay, lay me down a beat, Corey. What, what did you think of that snare sound right off the hop? It sounded like it was out of tune. Like it was just yeah. dull. And... Well, the whole thing sounded overproduced. Um, I don't mind a little bit of a delay for an effect on, on drums, but that sounded like a hip hop kit. 
Well, it does have I, that I, hip hop influence. It does. I've never heard him sound. I've never heard Joey Kramer sound like that before. So uh, I, I've already seen the influence. It was a cool beat, but um, the whole intro was just kind of weird. It's like you hear the sound and then the drums come in and then all of a sudden there's a song. And it just it just felt like three pieces of a puzzle that, that were just put together and didn't necessarily fit. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> Does it sound like Steven Tyler is singing right in front of your face and everyone else is in, you know, a hotel next door? Uh, Steven and uh, six of his identical twins uh, doing the <laughs> harmony behind him, yes. Yeah, that's the one thing you want to be surrounded with in life is Steven Tyler. Uh, yeah, I, the balance is really, really off for me. Yeah, it's he's really upfront and the drums don't sound good which which kind of surprises me like yeah i i like a little more whip crack in my snare i don't mm -hmm. like that dull almost like saint anger lars ulrich sounding thing where you took the snare chain off and it just sounded terrible it kind of has that vibe to it it does and you know what else it's really dry i'm not hearing any reverb on this thing and i'm not hearing guitar either unfortunately oh, in an yeah. aerosmith song which you know when you boot up uh, angel you know, first you hear the drums sounding cool, then you hear a guitar. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, what what it takes, uh, you know, kind of the same thing, right? You'd have just yeah. that, dear, 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 that little country beat at the beginning of what it takes, or like mm -hmm. a crying. Not really a ballad, but you get that, bah, nah, bah, bah, and then the big guitar in there. You, yeah. you, uh, that's what I'm, I'm missing from these kind of stock Aerosmith outside rider ballads. Yeah, and it's weird because it's it's not like they don't know that there's five musicians in the band. Maybe the producer doesn't know. He's like, how long ever work with Steven and Joe? There's three other guys, really? <laughs> right. I, I mean, I saw guys hanging out holding instruments. I didn't know they were part of the band. <laughs> All right, we're coming up to the chorus here. Let's check it out. It's it's a guitar that's being like heavily phased. That's why we can't hear it because it's not it's not that normal heavy guitar sound. It's really just mid range notes that are very phased out and delayed. Okay. Um, the bass is incredibly muddy. This just this production is probably the worst I've heard. Uh, all I know about uh, these two new songs from Oh Yeah, Ultimate Aerosmith hits was that the band recorded them in Hawaii. Huh. Which uh, I think is where uh, ACDC recorded Back in Black back in 1980. But Well, they got a much better sound. Yes, they did. They also had a much better producer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, th this is, well, 
it's hard to say who produced this. Uh, Devontae Swing is listed on here. I'm sure he had a hand in it. Uh, Russell Simmons is listed as a producer. Because it's the greatest hits, right? You have Steven Tyler, Joe Perry, Glenn Ballard, Adrian Barber, Ray Colcord, Jack Douglas, Bruce Fairbairn, Marty Fredrickson, Mark Hudson, Jason Mazel, Rick Rubin, Matt Saralek, Devontae Swing, and Russell Simmons, all listed as producers. That's it? Yeah, that's it. But again, there's 27 songs, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if they're, yeah, I mean, they, they have to go back and credit everybody who did the original songs. Yeah. So it's yeah. not just those guys on the new tracks. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I, I, I wonder if this song, how I would feel about the song if the production was better. And isn't it funny? I was just saying production can't make a song, but it can kill it. Yep. Oh man, that's just a loaded question. Tell me how you feel when we make love. Don't be asking that. It's never yeah. the it's never the answer you want. Tell me I'm good. <laughs> tell me how you, you feel. Well, I was a little hungry. So okay, so I have to tell you, there was a uh, I don't remember what it was. I think it was I was listening to an episode of the Office Ladies podcast, the show on that they do on the show The Office, and they were talking about fetishes. And so I looked up the ten most common fetishes, and one of them, I think it was the second or third one, was. It, like um i can't remember how it was phrased but it was something like supportive talk and saying <laughs> things like you're doing a great job taking my penis inside of you oh my lord no like no you don't you just don't <laughs> you know don't ask those questions no steven should know better for crying out loud and never say come to mama that's just the dumbest <laughs> thing you could ever say you, you, you know what this song needs though and put some stank on it it needs yeah. some. It needs some. Some Aerosmith stank. This is exactly what we got, and we all fall down. It's just cookie cutter, paint by mm-hmm. numbers. Here's ballad. Fill in the lines. Don't paint outside them. But at least if we had some interesting guitars that that you know beefed the song up a little bit and a nice Tom Hamilton bass line, this could have been really cool. And, and there might be a nice bass line in there. I can't hear it. Exactly. We're only in the second verse here, so maybe 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 we'll find the bass here. Let's find out. Maybe. And put some stank on it. Whoops. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even sorry. Tell me is it real or just make believe? We'll never know what you're made of. God, it almost sounds like a banjo. That guitar is so twangy on, on the right side, isn't it? Like it didn't even sound like a like a guitar. You know, it sounds like they mic the strings. Like they just <laughs> like we really want to hear what those strings sound like. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, I find kind of cool is uh, uh, I play this song on, on uh, YouTube Music because normally it has lyrics. It doesn't have lyrics uh, for this right. track that I can't show Scott. So I brought him up on Genius.com, and when Steven sings lines like "You you will never know." what you're made of instead of what you're it's w-h-a-t apostrophe c-h-o-r what you're <laughs> yeah you know i i and i'm gonna guess that they probably use some kind of uh, ai device to uh, listen to the song and pick out the lyrics we are a long way from skynet guys <laughs> I, I love the apostrophe too gotta make sure we separate what from chore chore yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Cause if the love you got's that same old grind, which I'll give 
oh my lord it, it's just kind of a cacophony of sound there uh, do you remember them times talking in your sleep with a pocket full of rubbers you never could keep uh, a, a more romantic lyric has never been sung yeah i mean i'm i i feel like it's valentine's day here on the on the podcast <laughs> You know, I, I have to say, I really, the one thing I like about the song is the pre-chorus. I think I, I really like the way he sings it. I think he sounds good there. But I feel like this is not Tom Hamilton on bass. Well, I haven't found anything to contradict that. It, it should be, but if it is, he's, I'm wondering, like, he, unfortunately, he was having his cancer uh, issues uh, in the 2000s. Uh, mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, maybe not, but. You know, I don't mind the pre-chorus. I don't mind the the melody in the chorus either. They'll lay it down. Like it, it's kind of a pleasing enough melody, but the the banjo slash guitar is off-putting. And now we're getting into this. Uh, a, I don't know. It's 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 a different. It's a bridge maybe. Hopefully to a solo or something. But it's 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 weird. It, uh, for the guitar, I think they're they're going for that what it takes sound that the solo had, if you remember that kind of- That worked so well for that song, yeah. For that song, but for this song, I think they're over-emphasizing the effects. Yeah. And it's killing the guitar sound. Bass, I'm just hearing root notes, which is why I don't feel like this is Tom Hamilton, because I've never heard him ever just play root notes. You know, if it's Tom, maybe he just wanted the free trip to Hawaii. He's like, yeah, I'll come in for 20 minutes and just, you know, yeah, plunk on root notes and be done. Sure, maybe. Or they're just like, yeah, just stay on the beach. We got this. We'll get uh, fucking Reva Flavor, whoever the hell is doing a production on this song. He'll lay the bass down. You know what, though? I will say there are times where I have heard Stephen, especially in this bridge that we were just listening to, which is kind of what made me think of it, is that he does have a rap vocal style mm-hmm. at times. Oh, yeah. So it's not that big of a stretch to have a hip hop producer if you're only producing the vocals to have a hip-hop producer come in and produce the entire song, that's a little weird. Well, one of their biggest hits wasn't their hit. It was Run DMC's Walk This Way, which is essentially a rap song until you get to the chorus, right? So Right. down from oh yeah ultimate aerosmith hits is is it kind of disingenuous that you have this song on an album entitled ultimate aerosmith hits if i had paid 35 dollars for this collection of 27 songs and this was the bonus song i got i would have been very sad because you got to figure see this is why they do that because they're you have your your band completists right that will get every single thing they release for their collection doesn't matter how many times they've got walk this way they'll buy the album 
but this is what sells those in between people right is the bonus tracks and if i spent money on this and this was the bonus track i got i would have been very disappointed i concur now there is a second song on this compilation that was a single called girls of summer that we'll have to do uh that might uh, redeem it for you a little bit but... We have to do it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't want to tip my hand. We have to do yeah. it as our journey through the Aerosmith catalog. We will be covering Absolutely. it. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll put it on the dice because it's it's my turn to pick a song. But I'm, I'm still debating uh, between a whole bunch. Uh, yeah. But uh, let's get your thoughts on "Lay It Down." This was not a single, so if it's going on the mixtape, it's going to be a deep cut. Let's remind the folks what's on side A of the uh, mixtape, our deep cut side. We have Heart Stun Time, Roadrunner, No More, No More, Girl Keeps Coming Apart, Bone to Bone, Coney Island Whitefish Boy, The Farm, Simariah, Rats in the Cellar, and Combination. Scott Haskin, are you suggesting that Lay It Down deserves a spot on there? <laughs> I am not by any means <laughs> suggesting that. Already then. Not at all. <laughs> you know, here's here's the thing. We couldn't hear half of what was going on in the song. Um, this is a song I wish that they would perhaps remix and, re and re-release on their next Best Of compilation album because I think maybe it could be a good song. There's definitely some promise in the vocals. Um, maybe I'm missing something about the bass. I can't hear the guitars well enough to even know what they're doing, let alone see how they contribute to the song. So I, I wouldn't count the song out, but I would say as it's presented here, I can't say that's better than, you know, Samurai or Bone to Bone or anything we've got on there now. What say you? Well, I'm putting it on the mixtape. I'm kidding. No, I'm not. Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's stock. It, it, it's it's yeah. typical stock Aerosmith ballad. Uh, and I, I think I said this about We All Fall Down. It, it's a Steven Tyler solo track. Mm -hmm. If Steven Very Tyler went so. on the road uh, with Loving Mary uh, and did this song, it would make a, a whole ton of sense. But it, it's to me, it's not really an Aerosmith tune because you don't really hear a lot of Aerosmith in it. There's not even a guitar yeah. solo. Yeah, it's it's him and Joey Kramer. And he didn't shut up the whole song now that I think about it. There was <laughs> nope. no solo. Nope. There was a section where I think it was coming out of that bridge where I thought we were going to get the solo. And I thought, okay, well, at least I can hear a little bit of the guitars now. And he didn't shut up. So, yeah, you're right. This is absolutely a Steven Tyler solo song. 100%. So maybe if we uh, ever venture out and do the Steven Tyler catalog, uh, <laughs> we, we might give it more consideration. But as of now, nope, uh, does not belong on the mixtape. But I'm curious to see uh, what, our, uh, what our listeners think, if it deserves a spot on the ultimate Aerosmith mixtape or not. Maybe I'll make a poll. Jeez, that's a good idea. <laughs> I wonder, though, I'll have to look. Uh, I don't know if we can find it on Discogs, but I wonder if there is any other mix of this song out there that might be worth a listen, because this just sucked. I mean, you're still going to have the same problem that Steven's just dominating the song, unless in the mix they drop him out in some of those places. Yeah. But who's going to be the one to tell Steven Tyler he can't be in any part of a song? You know, take out that bridge where he's singing about rubbers, and, you know, yeah. and you know, put a guitar solo in there. Something. Well, then you lose the romance. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> then it just becomes a song about laying down. And who wants to hear that? <laughs> exactly. 
All right, Scott Haskin. Uh, well, first of all, we're not playing Prices Right here tonight. That song never played live. No. To the shock and amazement of no one. Well, no one would have known what it was. No, that, that would have been the I'm going to get a beer song. Right, yeah. Yeah, whereas now it's usually uh, Joe when he says, all right, time for Stop Messing. All right, I'm out. I've heard, I've heard you do that song 300 times. Why is everyone leaving the stage instead of Stephen and Joey? <laughs> yeah, it's time for laying down. Oh, fuck. <laughs> All right. Uh, my turn to put a, a song in the mixtape. You know what? Uh, I, I'm, I'm getting really boring. Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, song I quoted at the beginning of the show. Ah. From Done With Mirrors, I'm putting the hop on the on the dice for next week. Okay. Perfectly acceptable. And I tell you what, you've heard the first five seconds of it because I play a little bit for the sound check tonight, and you're like, "Oh, that's kind of kicky." So that's right. And you know, it's it's interesting because whenever I hear a swing beat, it takes me back to when I was what uh, ten or eleven, and spent uh, a week with my grandparents over Christmas break. I brought my drum set, and uh, I wanted to play Deep Purple music because I was really getting into the early Deep Purple with a lot of snare drum work. And uh, my grandfather would just make me sit there and listen and play to Benny Goodman records, which I oh. had no understanding of swing, how to play it, how it worked, how to even listen to it. And uh, I just I was like, yeah, that's great. Um, hey, I got this song I want to show you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very curious to hear uh, what you think of the Hopton. Hopefully we uh, roll that one next week. But until we go, uh, Scott Haskin, we got a little bit of business to take care of. Why don't you tell the fine folks about the deep dive podcasting network well we have a bunch of shows of all kinds of different music to enjoy still no female band podcast though in our deep dive network but aside from this show Corey, you do a sean a show with john mariano called backtracks theme music we also have a show that you do with our buddy mark kamire called and the podcast will rock winding down the, you know, it's it's interesting. The first time I came on the show, I couldn't read a single song in that wheel because it was so crammed that <laughs> there was too much on it. And now I'm like, I don't even need to squint. <laughs> you guys are, yeah, there you go. You guys are uh, catching up there to the finish of the catalog. 22 left, but, I think, uh, or 23. Yeah, because we didn't 23. technically do a, a song from the wheel last week. So, Right, exactly. Uh, but you also do a show with Kevin Brown, The Ultimate Catalog Clash. As this airs, I think you might be winding down season one. Uh, yep, uh, we got a couple weeks left in season one, and then uh, kicking off uh, season two of the Ultimate Catalog Clash. We won't spoil who the artist is in season two, but I'm really looking forward to it. I'll just say I know who it is. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin also does a show called The Tom Petty Project, and he also does a show called The Seaside Pod Review. I have your right Heap the Magicians podcast. Nate John have the Deep Purple podcast, but Simple Man, he's got Skinner Reconsidered. Terry T-Bone Mathley, who was uh, recently on Skinnered Reconsidered. I haven't listened to that episode yet, but uh, that is available. He's got his own show, T-Bone's Prime Cuts, on the other side. Rye has Sabbath of Bloody Podcast. Paul, Joe, and David have the In the Lap of the Pod show. Andy and Matt have Hawk Binge. Eric and Jonathan have Maiden A to Z. Daniel and Josh have Diary of the Mad Men, the ultimate Ozzy podcast. Who is on his 97th final tour. Ben and Sam have Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast. George and Hattie do the Judas Priest cast. Clay and Rye have North by South podcast. Greg and Jonathan have So Far a So Pod. So what? Quinn at And Volume for All. Nick, uh, Sav, Nick, Steve, and Mark have the Rock Roulette podcast. Chaz and Greg have Regarding Lulu. Chaz and Shats have Rush Rash. 
and Chaz and Wolfie have regarding Roger. That's Roger Waters. I want them to do a show on Roger Moore. But we also have some friends outside the Deep Dive Podcast Network. We've got Sean Geek and Fast Fred, an excellent show. They just talk about whatever. I love that show. Eric Senich at Booked on Rock. He also runs the Van Halen News Desk. Ken Knapsack at Pop Rock and Radio. You can download the app on the webpage we have on my website, scotthaskin.com. Click the Aerosmith podcast link and scroll down to wherever the hell I put Kevin. And then we also have Pod of Thunder, the foundation of Deep Dive Podcasts. That's right. The recognized symbol of excellence in rock and roll podcasting. Uh, one little piece of late breaking Aerosmith news. Uh, usually when you go through the deep dive, I, I bring up like Facebook and I start scrolling because I'm usually pretty bored. Uh, like posting memes and... Yeah, but th- there's a new post from Aerosmith just three minutes ago. It's Ooh. actually a repost uh, of Steven Tyler. And it's a picture of him in the studio wearing some headphones looking at a mixing console. And the quote is, throats on the mend but my ear still works. So in the meantime, it's studio time, starting remixing Aerosmith, Aerosmith. Are we to get maybe some uh, remixes of the Aerosmith catalog, starting with the first record? You know what? It is the thing to do. Black Sabbath is doing it. Van Halen's been doing it. That's right. Um, And and not unreasonable. You know, uh, where are you going to get your new money from if you're not remixing your old music? And it, it was pretty lucrative for uh, Van Halen. I know their uh, collection, uh, Part 2 or Volume 2, all the Sammy Hagar uh, records did very, very well uh, when it was released on vinyl. So uh, I wouldn't be mad at a, at a remix, especially of the 70s stuff. Uh, you can't really improve, I think, too much on the 80s and 90s and, and 2000s production-wise. It was pretty good, but mm-hmm. I tell you, though, those, those uh, vinyls of, like, Rocks and Toys and Aerosmith and Get Your Wings and stuff, they sound pretty good. Is a remix really necessary? Well, I think the biggest concern I would have is that it's going to sound too studio. You know what I mean? Too too processed. I think I've heard a lot of remixes that sound pretty good. Um, some they're just remastering, but I've, I've heard some that sound pretty good. And I've heard other ones where they're just taking all the charm out of it and trying to make it too modern day sounding as if it was recorded recently. You know, part of part of the charm of those albums and what made them what they are is the, this, the mix of an album and the production is just as much of a character as any instrument. And I hate that, you know, you wouldn't cut a guitar out. You're right. I, I could not agree more. Like you said, a lot of it is is the character of the record. I, I think back to some of the old Led Zeppelin I listened to mm-hmm. and, you know, the difference between the original vinyl or in the, uh, rem- the remasters that uh, Jimmy Page put out a while ago, even the Beatles. You know, the, the mono box set versus the, the stereo box set, how much of a sonic difference that was. So, But let's mm-hmm. save that conversation for another time. I think we'll it's time we, it. we get, we'll, we'll let the folks uh, head back to their lives, and uh, uh, we'll go back to, uh, you know, taking a 10-minute break and podcasting about Aerosmith. But until <laughs> the next time you join us on behalf of Scott Haskin, the sexiest man in podcasting, my name is Corey Morissette. Thank you very much for joining us, and as always, let's give the final word to Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler.